0: Uh, the Cherokee Nation and the Cherokee people have always been at the forefront of of the fight for self-government. And what I'd like to do is tell you a little bit about what's happened with our tribe and our relationship with the federal government for just particularly in the last 150 years and uh, what has happened to us. I don't think our story is really that different from the story of many other tribes. Just to give you a little background, we're in uh, the eastern part of Oklahoma presently. We are, uh, our jurisdictional area includes 14 counties in Eastern Oklahoma. We have about 95,000 registered uh, tribal members. Uh, We have an uh, elected chief, deputy chief and tribal council. The tribal council is sort of like a a legislature. Um, And I'll tell you a little bit more about the Cherokee Nation later. That's just to kind of put it in context for you. After, I'm gonna skip a whole lot of history and uh, and assume that you at least know, know some of this and and take you to about uh, the early 1800s in the early 1800s there was much discussion in this country of putting indian people on reservations and removing indians from various parts of the country to indian territory indian territory is now the state of oklahoma In during that time, the Cherokees were in the, in the southeastern part of the United States. We were in Georgia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Alabama. We were a very prosperous tribe. We had fairly early European contact, and we figured out that we were going to have to live with our newly, uh, uh, this newly emerging country and figure out a way to get along with our neighbors. In fact, our our people made a decision at, uh, at some point to uh, even join General Jackson in, uh, in some of the wars, thinking that that would protect our people from removal. However, gold was discovered on our land, and the land that the Cherokees had, the uh, Cherokee Nation, uh, was good land for growing tobacco. So there continued to be much discussion of moving us out of, of uh, of the uh, Smoky Mountain area and the southeast and sending us to Indian Territory. Our chief at that time believed in working through the system, and so he took our case to the United States Supreme Court, took our case all the way through the court system for the, the right of the Cherokees to have self-government and to remain in the southeast uh, part of the United States, and he won the case. And in a very famous, uh, uh, very famous uh, speech, uh, President Jackson, General Jackson had now become President Jackson, told the United States Supreme Court, um, you, essentially, uh, you've um, you've uh, made this ruling now. Let's see if you can enforce it. And he continued on the path to try to remove the Cherokees. During this time, when there was discussion of removing the Cherokees from the uh, southeast to to Indian Territory, our tribe became bitterly divided about uh, part of our tribe wanted to stay in the southeast and fight to the death for the right to remain there. And part of our our tribal people wanted to go on to Indian territory saying, in effect, these people are all around us. This country is growing. Uh, The removal is inevitable. Let's go on to Indian territory and and, uh, reestablish a tribal government there. Despite our best efforts and despite the divisions in the tribe, or perhaps because of the divisions in the tribe, uh, or the Cherokees were rounded up and removed ab- about 150 years ago in 1838 from our homeland to Indian territory. That removal is known as the Trail of Tears because of the large loss of, of lives. Many Cherokees, at, at least 4,000 Cherokees, fully one fourth of our tribe, died during that removal, either in stockades where they were being held prior to the removal or during the removal itself, which was conducted, uh, in our case, it was conducted uh, on foot. um, And much of it occurred uh, during winter. So we arrived in Indian territory uh, with um, uh, 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 bitterly divided politically, many people dead. Our social system was in disarray. We had, uh, our political system had been uh, also absolutely disrupted. And yet our people, when they arrived in Indian territory, uh, began to get together and talk again about revitalizing the tribal government, reasserting tribal sovereignty. They, They had been promised the right, our ancestors had been promised the right to live in Indian territory forever. And to practice our tribal government and our culture forever in exchange for the lo- uh, for the uh, lost land and the li- lost lives uh, that we'd left behind in in the southeast, so we began to revitalize our tribal government almost immediately, despite our problems and in eighteen forty in Indian territory, we began almost a golden era of the Cherokee Nation. We began to we established tribal government. We established newspapers, printed newspapers, in both Cherokee and in English. We established beautiful institutions of government that still stand today. There's a Supreme Court uh, building and many other courthouses in eastern Oklahoma and other institutions of government, which are, of course, now that it's Oklahoma, are the oldest buildings in Oklahoma. We established a political system again we began to put together an economic system. We established an educational system. In fact, the educational system that we established, that the Cherokees established, was the first educational institution west of the Mississippi, Indian or non-Indian. While some people in this country were still debating the issue of whether Indians were human or whether they had souls, the Cherokees established institutions of education not only for men but also institutions of education for women, which was a very radical idea in th- at that particular period of time in that particular location. The curriculum included Latin, geometry, zoology, botany and analysis and so we began to revive our tribal government we were, uh, and and because of the of the Silvery and Sequoia's work, we were a very literate tribe. Then the Civil War happened, which divided this country, the United States, and much of the Civil War was fought in Arkansas and over into Indian Territory. After the United States began to come back together again after the Civil War, there was discussion of opening Indian Territory up for statehood or up for white settlement. And, um, and that was done. It's, it's kind of interesting if you look at history. History has a strange way of repeating itself. And so in 1906, our tribal government was again abolished. Our court system was stopped. Our schools were closed. And I think most importantly to us as a people, if you look at the social system of our tribe, Our land, which we had held in common since the beginning of time, no matter where we were at, all of our land, tribal land, which we had held in common was divided up in individual allotments and and parceled out to individual families in allotments of 160 acres per family. Had a devastating impact on the social system of our tribe. We began began, uh, once and for all uh, to, to be introduced to the idea of individual ownership of land. So from 1906, when Oklahoma became a state, and for all intents and purposes, the formal structure of the tribal government was abolished, our chiefs were appointed by the president of the United States. It was kind of interesting to see what happened to our, to, to our tribe during that period of time. We went from a period of time of being a very strong, powerful, literate people, to falling into an incredible situation of decline. From 1906 to, I guess, the late 50s, we, we uh, went from being very literate to having, one of the worst, uh, edu- having some of the worst uh, educational problems in the country. We had some of the worst poverty in the country. Our housing problems were worse. Our health problems were, were very, 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 very poor. And I think that if you look at government and if you look at, at uh, self-government that's a, there, you, and make the comparison between how our tribe prospered when we had self-government and how we fell into decline when we no longer had had uh, self-government, that, there's, that, that you can see that there's a very practical reason for, for tribes to continue to, to, uh, to, uh, to have a tribal government. In the, in the 50s and the 60s, there began a national movement among native people to revitalize tribal governments and uh, to look at tribal, tribal sovereignty. And there began to be discussion within the Cherokee Nation of that movement. During the uh, 60s, all over the United States, people were talking about tribal rights and tribal government and asserting tribal rights and tribal government. This whole country uh, was in a discussion, a really challenging authority and uh, and uh, trying to to come to a new awareness of, of things. And um, so, in the in the 60s, uh, the Cherokees began to meet and uh, start to rebuild the foundation for a central tribal government and in 1971 we had our first first uh, elected uh, tribal chief it's kind of interesting if you look at leadership kind of as an aside from 1906 to 1971 the chiefs of the Cherokee Nation were appointed by the president of the United States and in order to receive a presidential appointment one normally has to be very prominent or very wealthy, very prominent politically to get the attention of, the pre- of a president. Most of the chiefs who were appointed, obviously they were all male, but all, most of the chiefs who were appointed from 1906 to 1971 were people who had a nominal amount of Cherokee blood and who were from very prominent families. There are some exceptions to that, but by and large, that's true. So what happened to our people is that during that time is that our people began to see leadership as external t- to themselves and, and to see leadership as something that one could aspire to only if, if, uh, if you were a member of a prominent family or, or, or had had personal wealth or something like that. So it did a strange thing to, to the way we viewed leadership. And if you look at the pattern of, of the elections, in 1971, our first elected chief fit that pattern. Our first elected chief was W.W. W. Keeler. He's a very prominent Oklahoma Republican, chairman of the board of Phillips uh, Petroleum, uh, Cherokee, nominal amount of Cherokee uh, blood. And uh, so you can see that, that uh, people had began to, to uh, believe that those were the kinds of people who, who should be chiefs of the, um, of the Cherokee, Cherokee Nation, so that, so that there was a change in the way that, uh, that people looked at, um, at leadership. And in 19, 1975 and 1979 um, uh, and 1983, Mr. Swimmer was elected, and to some extent he uh, fit that par- pattern, not as much as Mr. Keeler, uh, but to some extent uh, also.